And cue the lawnmowers. It's time to record, TJ. <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> this is a Yellow Submarine LP. Three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. TJ, have you ever lived in a Yellow Submarine? I did. In fact, once in a while, I traveled to a European country and Airbnb in one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where is it? Where is that? P3Z nuts. <laughs> the Yellow Submarine Airbnb is located on a farm in Manawatu-Wanganui, New Zealand. New Zealand is not located in Europe. Numb nuts. Thank you, P3. Oh, geez. we just started the show. Can you calm down, P3Z nuts? How rude. And sometimes a line is crossed. And this <laughs> was that time. These are the times to remember. Here's a solo by John Mayer. <laughs> In the live version, at one point, John Mayer plays the intro to This Is The Time, and Billy Joel goes, Go around one more time. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> the intro, like, right, Billy, is John Mayer taking requests? <laughs> do it again. Now, now, now do your body's wonderland. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm TJ. <laughs> no, you know, Tony, it is uh, late summer right now, and I'm very excited to record today's episode with you. Yeah. About submarines and song tracks and what I believe is the most underrated side of Beatles vinyl. Interesting. All right. Well, we're talking about the Yellow Submarine LP. We'll save the movie for some other date. Oh, but TJ, let's do some housekeeping. Yes. We are the only podcast that does housekeeping. Ooh, you suck. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people complain about the housekeeping. Well, a lot of podcasts have live-in housekeeping. We only <laughs> yeah. do our housekeeping, what, once a month or so. It's Exactly. And uh, it is uh, that time of the month. It is time for the Patreon Star Club shout-out. These are all our Patreon members who have joined our Star Club. Uh, if you'd like to join the Star Club, it's on UntitledBeatlesPodcast.com. Very special guest. TJ, would you like to introduce who's going to announce all our Star Club members today? Well, Tony, you were going to do it, <laughs> and I was going to do it, but we can't find the copy, so we're going to call an audible, and for the first time in an Untitled Beatles Podcast exclusive, our Patreon subscribers will be named by P3Z Nuts! The Star Club members for October 2023 are Long Live George Harrison, Glenn K. Matt Kuharski, Beetle Dave Susan from Baltimore, Bird Chide, Joanne S. David S. Max Kumo, Matt Meyer, Mick B. Nowhere, Doug Tabor, Stephen A. Mary Kate Skyler, Mr. D. Sticker, Michael S. Cat V. More Harpsichord, Terrence D. Dave B. Steve T. Mark Warino, and our newest member, Steve L. from a little town in Indiana. For the record, I am a highly functioning, supremely intelligent fact-checking robot, not your goddamn maid. Oh! oh. Why is... Not since Rosie have I seen a robot that rambunctious. <laughs> I may be homely, Buster, but I'm S-M-A-R-T smart. Let's talk about it, Yellow Submarine. Let's talk about it. It, it is arguably the only official Beatles album that is been considered inessential. Now, I know the diehards mm. of the show 
uh, people like us and people who, I guess if you're listening, you're inherently a diehard, but every Beatles album is essential and the songs on this record that aren't available elsewhere make it essential. But it's interesting that the Mono Masters box set just takes the songs used on the film soundtrack and issues them for the first time in mono, not fold down mono that the original uh, British mono had, but in actual mono. And what's interesting is you don't miss the album on Mono Masters. Hearing only a Northern song all together now and it's all too much. And hey, Bulldog, in mono, you don't miss Yellow Submarine and All You Need Is Love. No, not at all. Yeah. And I, if I believe they were toying with the idea of putting it out as an EP. They were and then realized quickly since EPs didn't sell in America to make it a full-blown album. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why those mixes were made. The yep. mono mixes, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it ended up being their 10th studio album. It was released January 13th, 1969 in the US and on the 17th in the UK. I owned this on cassette. That was the first. It was one of my earlier purchases. I think I wanted to hear only a Northern song. So I bought it on cassette which also meant that it had uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was on it. Kicks off side two, one of the great anomalies <laughs> of the cassette. I'm holding yeah, the man. cassette right now. This was this is the last issue cassette issued 92, which has the Apple logo on the front cover. It is so funny because after the standard LPs were finally put on CD in 87, this is a Beatles cassette in 1992 that still has Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds on Yellow Submarine. It's very <laughs> funny that it stayed in print even after they standardized the later albums. Now, does it say nothing is real on the 8-track or, or not? The 8-track does not say nothing is real under the word submarine. It does not. Okay, there you go. I think that means it's a U.S. copy then, I think. Yes, because the cassette also doesn't say that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true, yeah. And then you have it on 8-track, too. I think it, it's on the 8-track as well, right? Is it is, right? and this is this is an 8-track we had in our car in the early 80s. For that's some reason, awesome. I punched the holes where the holes are in the 8-track when I was a kid, well, which I wish know. I hadn't done. <laughs> good luck on eBay in this, and good minus condition. Just tell them it's a promo copy. It's got the hole punch in. Right, it's, it's a promo. Your, I'll make my own saw cut. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, this A-track is neat because it has, that's only on the American pressings, uh, selections by the Beatles plus original film music is on the A-track as well in very small print. Well, there's a lot of little discrepancies between, yeah, the U.S. version of Yellow Submarine and the U.K. version of Yellow Submarine. Like even the liner notes are different. Yeah, which is so weird because the whole world got one that was a glowing review of the White Album with a brief um, introduction. Yeah, those liner notes by Derek Taylor, they are so half-assed phoned in. <laughs> my name is Derek, but that is what my mother called me, so it is no big thing. Except that it is my name, and I would like to say I was asked to write the notes for Yellow Submarine. Now, Derek Taylor used to be the Beatles' press agent, and now Derek Taylor is the press agent for the Beatles again. So when he was asked to write the notes for Yellow Submarine, he decided that he had nothing new to say about the Beatles. And also, he couldn't be bothered. And also, he wanted the people who bought the Yellow Submarine album to buy and enjoy the really wonderful The Beatles album. I told you about so 
Well, it shows the disdain with which the Beatles, not disdain with which they held this project, but they didn't, they didn't want anything to do with this. That's why the Hmm. original songs are largely toss offs. I mean, as we'll talk about as we go, you know, only a Northern song was, was rejected from Sergeant Pepper. Right. All together now was written as a, as a quick song for the film. Hey, Bulldog was pounded out when they were recording the video for Lady Madonna. Right. And It's All Too Much is another one. We've never seen the full remastered version of that, by the way. It's All Too Much. The, the it's, it's been bootlegged. It's on that anthology plus oh, and a bunch of other stuff. The long version. The yeah. long version that includes the extra verse used in the film and not on the, um, the soundtrack. But uh, these were not considered... You know, even the best song on her, Hey Bulldog, which is one of my favorite Beatles songs, John Lennon called it a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So in 66, Yellow Submarine, the film, the the deal gets signed. It goes down. They want four new exclusive songs. They're going to use a bunch more. And so basically after Pepper, you know, they start working on this stuff. And because Pepper was such a thing, you know, they're going for a lighter thing. And so a lot of these songs that maybe aren't up to snuff for a proper album, they they give them to uh, Al Brodax, the producer of Yellow Submarine. Quote from Al. Apparently they would say, this is a lousy song. Let's give it to Brodax. How do you clean one of your bros? I don't know. How? Brodax spray. Are you suffering from pungent pits? Foul feet? Beastly butt odor? How do you stop the stink? This is a local spot. (laughs) (laughs) And a loco spot. (laughs) I work hard for a living. I sweat a lot. I got got odors in special places. Let's talk about the cover. Should we do that? Yes. You mentioned the distinctions in the back cover. Yeah. And also the front cover. You're right. The U.S. copies don't say nothing is real. And in fact, it's a little like Rubber Soul. Similar covers, but with just the minorest of differences on the front. Very minor. Very minor. And then it should be noted that, yeah, the U.S. liner notes are very different. There's no White Album plug on there. It's this kind of blurry story in two different fonts <laughs> comparing uh, like the, the Sergeant Pepper's plight against the Blue Meas with Beowulf, the signing of the Magna Carta, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So, it's yeah, it's kind of like whatever people are doing with history now, having fun with it, making like... A, banning it from schools. Banning it. <laughs> You know, because uh, what's the word freedom? Yeah, because of that. <laughs> the hit, the Paul McCartney hit from 2001. <laughs> this is my right to take out the Civil War. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I love the back cover, the American one. This is one. Here's my American purple 78 capital copy with Those the old 70s capital logo. That's nice. There's more cartoons on the back. I mean, the it's a more colorful back cover. Yeah. Then the British cover, certainly, which is almost all text except for the El Submarine logo and the cartoon at the top. But here you got the Blue Meanie. You've got the Sgt. Pepper band. It's it's a I just love the cover. And they're all listed out, too. Like, you, you know what the names of the things are, the monsters. The forces of evil. Robin, the butterfly stomper. Snapping turtle turks. The apple bonkers. The terrible flying glove. Like almost like designed for kids. Yeah. Well, it kind of was, right? Of a hundred percent. And in many respects, I think this holds up as well 
as any Disney soundtrack because of the how exquisite mm-hmm. George Martin's score is. Now, it's probably the most underplayed side yeah. in official capital Apple Parlophone Beatle history is Definitely. side two of Yellow Submarine. But listening to it multiple times for this, maybe for the first time since the vinyl came out in 2012, this is when I put on yeah. the George Martin instrumental, I fell in love with it in ways that I never had before. It used to be fine. I never hated it. It wasn't as bombastic as the Ken Thorne stuff on the Help soundtrack. It's not swinging 60s like the George Martin stuff on the American Hard Day's Night soundtrack. But it's beautifully Disney orchestral and interesting and tuneful. I hope our show reinvigorates interest inside too, Yellow Submarine. It's I think it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, the front cover. Let's talk about the front cover. It's actually one of my favorite covers. And Casey suggested we do uh, we do an episode where we rank the Beatles album covers. I agree with the idea. I think we go solo first. Let's rank all the Ringo album covers. <laughs> I, I'm putting Liverpool 8 in my top three. You? <laughs> uh, the, the one with the robot on it. <laughs> Choose robot? <laughs> The cover art for Ringo's Goodnight Vienna features the eight-foot-tall robot Gort from the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. In 1951, Gort was voted sexiest robot alive by Us Magazine. Yeah, so the cover art was designed by Heinz Edelman. By the way, TJ, he designed the mascot for the 1992 Seville World's Fair. Well, those barbers (laughs) of Seville. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the font on the cover. You know, it's been a long time, TJ. Should we take a trip down to Font Lover's Corner? Oh, I've been waiting to hold hands and skip down there with you for months. (laughs) Let's do it. Welcome to Font Lover's Corner. Today's font in question, Amelia. Designed by Stanley Davis in 1965, its teardrop contours speak the language of the digital age, also known as the age of tears and sorrow. Thank you for visiting Font Lover's Corner. Fonts, fonts, love those fonts. Font Lover's Corner, kind of a downer today. Yeah, it's really sad, and it's almost like the Blue Meanies or the Apple Bonkers have created the font. <laughs> yeah, but I love that font. Yeah, it's a groovy font. It does it speak the digital font. age. So then oh, let me ask you this question then. What font's Nothing is Real on the British cover, and what font is Selections by the Beatles plus Original Film Music on the American cover? <laughs> Figure that out, P3Cs. I'm on my break. Union rules. And there's more text, Tony. Hmm. Uh, so the British cover is a generally lighter print. Both the reissue and the and, and an old copy of the British one have a lighter print. And the American cover is a little darker. Plus, the American cover, while it does not say nothing is real, in addition to selections by the Beatles plus original film music in the top, has the King Features Syndicate Superfilms Limited 1968 logo on it very american to have the hmm. 
the full uh, trademark on the front cover itself. All sorts of little things, TJ. But it's striking. It's one of the most striking Beatles records, maybe along with Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour. When you're a kid, looking at this cover is fantastic. And yeah, you put fun. it on in the first track. We'll get to, we'll get to the track breakdowns in a moment. When the first track's Yellow Submarine, whether you've seen the movie or not, you know you're in for a fun, light kid's experience. And then George gives you a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, One that I love. Yeah. Let's go track by track, shall we? Yeah, let's definitely do it. Well, it starts off with the stereo mix of Yellow Submarine. So it's the vocal intro without the uh, acoustic guitar. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea To me, obviously a very appropriate album opener. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think you consider opening this with Sea Leap Dick. I think if Dave Dexter had his... There's only one way to go out. How's that? Singing! One, two... Yeah, what's so interesting is because the stereo version of this record was the accepted version of the record, and obviously then in 62 to 66, they used the stereo version of the song Yellow Submarine from Revolver. It's the same stereo mix. We had forgotten basically until the song track what the mono version sounded like. The mono version was the single, which was still in print for ages. So forever, people who heard the 45 heard the full guitar intro. Right. In the and the full Lennon column response, Life of Ease stuff, as part of the experience of the single. On the album... In stereo, you don't get the full guitar intro and you don't get the full John Collum response, at least the latter till 99. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to the song track. <laughs> oh, it's coming. As we live a life of me. It is also funny, I will say, that on 20 Greatest Hits and Beatles 1, which are supposed to be a compilation of singles, I didn't have this thought till doing homework for the album. It's supposed to be a compilation of singles, Shouldn't the mono version be on Beatles one or at least the 99 remix that has a little more of the mono feel with the John column response. It's interesting that the singles collections don't really use the true mono singles that goes for help as well. Right. The different vocal mix. Right. So write Calderstone, write your congressperson, <laughs> write your Calder person, write your stoner friend, write us, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I don't know, man. I like the stereo intro i like ringo's clean vocal into that song to me the acoustic guitar is like what it sounds like a mistake to me yeah and i think uh, the guy who remixed it in nine is it peter cobbin i think he agreed with you because he looked at the mono for references but he still used on the yellow submarine song track just the ringo intro for the first note um right but then he used the mono lennon call and response exactly but it's interesting. So this album comes out in January of 1969. And for the first time on a quote unquote new Beatles album, not including like a collection of Beatles oldies, you've got a song on here that is now dating back two and a half years. Yeah. I feel like it's premature on the uh, greatest hits thing. Like collection of Beatles oldies was premature. These greatest hits that are coming out while the band is still doing some of their best work. Like a lot of people say, hey, Jude was their pinnacle. You know, you're an Abbey Road guy. <laughs> no that's on the way down in fact that's right, the that's, lowest thing that's all the way down abbey road stinko pu worst record i wish giles martin would ditch his dad's production and remix it like phil Spector would have 
and add yeah. a bunch of horns and choruses <laughs> and strings to come together. Yeah. And oh, darling, we need Phil Spector to to, to destroy. Oh, darling. So it is interesting, Tony, because now all of a sudden we're going back to the past before going uh, still a little bit to the past, actually. I mean, yeah. I mean, this speaks to how long it takes to make a film, especially something like animation, especially in the 1960s. This deal was inked in 66 and it took, you know, two, yeah, at least two years to do that. And they were, you know, (laughs) cranking it out as fast as they could. Think of the shock of this following the White Album, too. I mean, yeah. here the White Album is this sprawling thing that nobody had ever heard before, and the next new Beatles album opens with Yellow Submarine. We all live in the Yellow Submarine, the Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine. We all live in the Yellow Submarine. I mean, there's similarities between Bungalow Bill and Yellow Submarine, but not Revolution 9 and Yellow Submarine. No. Although the next song has a fair amount in in experimental spirit as the White Album, even though it was recorded a year before. Yeah. Technically, the first song to be, re- well, I won't say that because it wasn't recorded for the film, but it ended up being the first song they recorded exclusive to the contract that fit this bill. Uh, George, only a Northern song. It doesn't really matter what chords I play. What words I say or time of day it is As it's only a long song This is his uh, first Sgt. Pepper composition. I, I've always liked this song. Me too. And it doesn't go too long. Unlike It's All Too Much, it does not overstay its welcome. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Yeah, for George, around the time of this song, being a Beatle had become, quote, a job, something I didn't really want to do, and I was losing interest in being fab at this point. I read it was maybe like a reluctant Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane thing for him, like, write a Northern song. We're writing songs about our childhood, Liverpool, up north. These are Northern songs. And then here's George's contribution, like, yeah, I'm over it. Here it is. I think this is him kind of giving a fuck you to Dick James of Northern Songs, which even though John right. Paul had an obvious hand in, I think this is George. Maybe a fuck you's a little strong, but I think this is George <laughs> showing how he doesn't care. And hence the, the double entendre, and it's only a Northern song. I think this is being critical of uh, Dick James slash Dick Jaws. Dick Jaws. That's right. Uh-huh. I forgot about that one. Northern Songs Limited. Uh, that was the song publishing company owned by Dick James. owned by John and Paul, and George and Ringo owned 1.6% each. And I told you there's no one there. (laughs) Right, which means that John and Paul make more money on George's songs than George does. But then Paul got them back by making more money than any of them on the albums. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tony, this song basically being stereo faked from a mono master. Right. 
is interesting to me because it always, and I love this song too. I've always loved this song. This song, Ringo's snare intro is his loudest drum moment on record. It is the most shrill. I'm not saying that as a bad way or a good way. I'm just saying yeah. that that snare in the original fake stereo slices through. Yeah, it starts with the spooky organ. This is George's like organ phase. A lot of his songs have organ. He, yeah, I mean he's playing guitar for sure on Pepper and stuff, but he's more about sitar and organs and drones and stuff. Uh, George on the Hammond, Paul on bass, Ringo drums. John does not play on the rhythm track, so it's just like a three-piece rhythm. Um, Paul played the trumpet, and John did the glockenspiel, I think. And those were overdubs. And the Glockenspiel's insane. The yeah. Glockenspiel's got John I'm down at <laughs> Chase Stadium energy. Yeah, it totally does for the whole damn song. Yeah. And Paul's trumpet is wild. It's it's this song is weird. It's discordant. Yeah. It's actually it's a hard one to play in piano. That organ solo at the beginning, the intro's complicated and atonal and in two keys. It's 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 stunning songwriting by George Harrison. Yeah, man. You may think the chords are going wrong. That's a B minor seven over an A with the bass holding E. Could you demonstrate that for us, please? No. <laughs> I don't take requests. <laughs> Ahem. Allow me to play a B minor 7 over an A with the bass holding E on my own personal piano. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Yeah, man, I don't know. When I first heard this song, I loved it. I think I was like in eighth grade. I either heard it, you know, taping the Yellow Submarine movie off of Channel 50 on a VHS on a Sunday afternoon. I know I read about it in the liner notes to the 87 Sgt. Pepper compact disc, the first compact disc I ever bought. Yeah, with those great Lewison liner notes in there. Yeah. Those are all Lewison. Yeah, so early on, that was like one of the first things I ever got into, and I'm reading about the, you know, like, oh, there's these other songs that didn't make it, and there was a different track listing. And so I've always liked this song, and I liked his voice in this. To me, it sounded really like what druggy is, you know, at the time. I had I was in eighth grade. I wasn't doing drugs uh, yet. <laughs> I thought that this is what being high sounded like. With his voice and the glockenspiel and the crazy trumpet, this to me was like, oh, this is what it's like to be high. Yeah, this is more what you get from Dr. Robert <laughs> <laughs> than it is what you do when you're with Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this song is so interesting. It's a bit of a nightmare song. I mean, mm. th this song... Audio-wise, to me, is the spaghetti scene in Magical Mystery Tour visually. <laughs> Where it, it, it always has uh, kind of creeped me out. There's a version of this on Anthology, too. Oh, right. Yes. That is kind of a, I, I think it's a faked version. Uh, 
that George Martin and Jeff Emmerich put together with different elements in a different vocal track? Yes. They, he worked on it in February, and then they came back to it in April. And so there's different lyrics that are in the February takes, which I believe are used in anthology. Yeah. And then they've used some whatever the overdubs were from April. That's when they did Glockenspiel and all that and changed the lyrics, did some new lyrics. You think the harmony is a little up and out of key. Then you're right, because I sing it myself. To me, it's so interesting that it's an, an important enough of a song for the anthology version to have been Frankenstein. I know, right? <laughs> that they actually looked at this as, you know, it's not it's not Penny Lane, which was also Frankenstein in anthology too. Hmm, yeah, um, right. But it's cool that Beatles people thought this was important enough to tinker with in 96, and I'm all for it. Yeah, it's, it's a great George Harrison tune. One, just like All Too Much, that was left off with plenty of room, Capitol's Best of George Harrison album that had one side of Beatles songs and one side of solo George songs. This is one of the many George songs that weren't on the Beatles side. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, people, yeah. People dog on this one for whatever reason. I don't know, man. I, I think this, for me was an early exposure to dissonance in music. And to me, it was great. It opened up my brain. It was like, oh, those are the wrong notes. It was like comedy. Like something was like, oh, something strange is happening here that's not supposed to be happening. And I think perhaps this is the reason like later on, I gravitated towards that angular indie rock stuff with like detuned guitars, Archer's a Loaf, Pavement, Sonic Youth, etc. You know, funny tunings and all that. <laughs> think that's why this song probably started that for me wow that's 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 a cool lineage to this great underrated beatles song and thank goodness you had the tape for that reason because yeah. th again this is not one you're going to find on a lot of compilations has this been on any beatles compilation officially uh itunes presents northern and southern song <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, this is the second song recorded for the Yellow Submarine Project. All together now, knocked it off all in a day, uh, May 12th, 1967. I guess the day before, TJ, they were recording Baby or a Rich Man, which was recorded for the Yellow Submarine Project as well. Yes, and eventually wound up a Magical Mystery Tour, but then also was, of course, on the song track, yeah. And uh, B-side of uh, All you, All You Need Is Love. Yes. That's the reason it wasn't part of Yellow Submarine, because they needed the B-side for All You Need Is Love. So technically, this was the second song recorded for Yellow Submarine. It's another Macahall. Macahall. Paul McCartney. <laughs> Daryl Hall. <laughs> yeah. Drink the Macahall. And I call it Gas Hall. <laughs> yeah. We can use it in our car. Or drink it. And have such a wonderful day. So another in the Macca music hall tradition. Yeah, man, with contributions from John. Mm -hmm. All the, the three-syllable stuff. Steer the ship, chop the tree, skip the rope, look at me. That's John. Sail the ship, 
song i think the song this song to me is what ubla di ubla da was too forced to be ah that's interesting and yeah. it's it's a little i mean by the way um black white green red can i take my friend to bed is a is a Ow! yeah i mean that, that, that's <laughs> the, why don't we do it in the road no for real like that's that, that's a ballsy line in a kid's song in a kid's movie and it's it's not dirty. It's what a wonderful. It doesn't matter what color you are. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's a great uh, message. Yeah. It's a lo- it's a lovely and inspiring message from Horny Paul. The Beatles were about love, man. Free love, man. <laughs> Check it out. Want to move to Chatsworth? Yeah. <laughs> then you want to move to Death Valley? I know a place. Yeah. <laughs> Beatles. They're about love. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Tony just went back to a different place. <laughs> and it's his mind. And there's no time when he alone. Where are you with this song? Is this song a little too faux Patty LaPone upbeat for you? Yeah, this is not my favorite. Um, but I'm glad that they speed it up to get it over with quicker. <laughs> no, I like this song. I like it all right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not my favorite. I think it, it ranks lower on my list. It's great in the movie, and they also do a big global where they have all together now in all the different languages I like as it that. speeds up. It, it, it's a wonderful end of the film. It's the DNI version of Your Mother Should Know. DNI. The shoes? <laughs> no, diversity and inclusion because they're doing all the global sayings of all oh, together now. D and Y. U N I T Y. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> TJ, who are you calling a bitch? <laughs> well, famously produced by Jeff Emmerich. George Martin was on a two-week vacation. So Jeff uh, produced this. And John, here's a quote from John. Well, now that the schoolmaster's out, we kids finally get a chance to play. So this is right after Sgt. Pepper. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like... This is where, uh, what's the new Mary Jane comes from, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes teacher says, I've got things you should listen to. <laughs> she eating 12 chapatis and cream. She tastes as Mongolian lamb. Teacher says, we must eat healthy. Kenny Rogers roasted. <laughs> if what's the new Mary Jane is, you know, that's, that's not exactly uh, a great piece from John. <laughs> no. Okay, no. pick one. Uh, what's the new Mary Jane or all together now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gotta pick one. I know. Um I actually I, I I I will I like what's the new Mary Jane. Oh sail the ship! <laughs> Other than the sound effects crap. I like the song part. Uh, it's really funny to me. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. How come John stole look at me from all together now? No one ever <laughs> talks about that theft. 
Yeah, I, I like this song. I will say Paul trotted this out live starting, I think, in 2010 or 2012, one of those tours, and it was just a neat, fun thing to hear him do live. Yeah, man. It got the whole crowd going. Did they raid the sound closet for that? Was uh, Were people out there with triangles and ukuleles and... Wix had 18 keyboard sequins and he was just <laughs> pressing different buttons. The great Wix Wiccan. Uh, the harmonica makes a, a return last used in 1964. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good song. Yeah. Children's music. To me, it's, it's a kid's song. And, and it ends on a joke. I mean, it's got a musical joke to end it, too, which is funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It is what it is. It's, yeah, it's a fun, light song. And for us, it's a treasure trove of uh, Paul McCartney isolated vocal grabs. <laughs> you can have him say anything with the lyrics of uh, All Together Now. Because he's counting slowly. Yeah, the whole thing's great. <laughs> Take it, DJ! I will say there'd be no title track from your favorite McCartney album if it weren't for this song. Oh? There'd be no Driving Rain without counting Paul. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Let's go for a drive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go there. I thought you meant McCartney too, and he says two. <laughs> <laughs> that counts too. <laughs> two. All right, man. It's probably our favorite song on this record. Hey, Bulldog. Yes, it still exists as the most underappreciated song in the entire Beatles canon. It is one of their yeah, best rock songs, one of their best piano songs. And this song was buried forever. It was on the rock and roll music compilation. But again, unless you bought that and True. randomly in the eighties wanted to pick up, you know, I think it's on volume two of rock and roll music yeah. when they became uh, s separate albums. This song was still relatively buried. It's not till like, I think maybe the streaming era where Hey Bulldog has gotten its proper due. I'll put this up with any Beatles rock tune. I think it could have been a single, to be quite honest. Yes. And uh, I think that was maybe briefly mentioned in the studio while they were recording it, but they, they'd already been pressing Lady Madonna. Like, Lady Madonna and Inner Light was in the works, and that's just what was happening. This is like the last time they were in the studio before India, February 11th, 1968. It was a Sunday session, 4 p.m., so they had like the run of the place. Like, no one was in there. And this is the, yeah, the most documented on film Beatles song. They had a whole camera crew in there. Um, and I think Neil Aspinall may have been the first one to do it officially, but reassembled the promo film footage, which was for Lady Madonna. With John on piano yeah. for a Lady Madonna video. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very confusing as a youngin. <laughs> so, yeah. So then Neil Aspinall, I believe, uh, 
yeah, fit the film together to be a video for Hey Bulldog. And anyway, that's been circulating around for a while now. And I love watching that. It might be my favorite legitimate Beatles promo film other than Strawberry Fields. But to see them working on that material in a way live or whatever. Yeah, to me, it's amazing. Yes, it is one of the most revelatory Beatles videos in the pre-Peter Jackson era. Neil Aspinall helped put this together for the re-release of Yellow Submarine in 99. Which this with the soundtrack followed. That's why that that was put together was to serve as a promotional video. Oh, that's cool for for the uh, for the re. I I don't know if it was for the film or for the video release, but I know it was put together for that project. And a lot of that stuff was found during anthology and digitized during anthology a couple of years before that. So one of the cool things about the videos that followed anthology like this was the mid nineties where Treasure Trove of cleaning up and digitizing Beatles video. Thank God they're doing that because this stuff is great that we're seeing now. It's so great. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they throw this on the Beatles one plus DVD set. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think? It, it's a loaded question. Most and underrated is not what I'm going for, but most underappreciated Beatles song. Would you put this one on your list? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, until now it's gotten its due. It, But yeah, when, as it was released, yeah, totally buried. Um, it's yeah, it's one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite songs. That distorted guitar solo by George, obviously the piano that drives it. Ringo's drumming. John and Paul fucking around and, and howling yeah. and yelling back at each other. Yeah, man. Having fun. John's looking like, to me, this is like the wildest he looks like out of all his years when he's got those giant chops. <laughs> the mutton chops. Yeah. The muttons, man. They're like, it's basically a beard, but just shaved off a little bit. And then, yeah. And then his hair's in that, that in between stage of Sergeant Pepper and white album. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it looks, he looks so peculiar and he like shampooed that day too. So his hair is like extra red and like. <laughs> hey, Beetle Sniffer, what, what flavor shampoo, what flavor shampoo? I'll bet John ordered everyone's soap from Amazon. I like the lemon coconut. <laughs> no short head, yellow belly, son of tricky dick is gonna mother up a soft soap me with just a pocket full of soap. Hey, here's some trivia, man. This was the first session attended by a, a one Yoko Ono. So here it is. This begins that. This begins uh, Yoko in the studio. Not a bad start. Well, and it's interesting because I think John's original draft of this had if she's lonely, she can talk to me. And I wonder yeah. if Yoko, I wonder if Yoko being here is what inspired the change. I don't know. That's funny, man. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I read that there was a misread lyric, some kind of solitude is measured out in news, but uh, got misread as you and they decided to keep it. So there's one of those. 
which is great. It almost feels like a Ringo malaprop. <laughs> and because he comes back with, you think you know me, but you haven't got a clue. The line makes sense. Like the movement you need is on your shoulder. When John told Paul, you got to keep that. This couplet makes sense with the lyric flub. Yeah, man. It's cool. Some kind of solitude is measured out. I love this song. I felt I felt cool loving this song in the 90s and in the late 80s. I really did. I was the asshole. I was like, well, if you haven't heard Hey Bulldog or you know my name, you haven't heard the Beatles. I was, that, I was that guy. Totally true, man. I, I learned that, okay, so a couple days before this session, Paul played drums on a Paul Jones song called The Dog Presides. And at the end of it, you know, there's uh, some dog sound effects. And that may have been the inspiration for the whole dog ending. Hey, bulldog. They say bullfrog, but there's no mention of bulldogs till the very end when they're kind of riffing. Yeah. It's sheepdog to start. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sheepdog bullfrog. Clap, 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 clap. Sheepdog bullfrog. <laughs> da, 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 da. Charles in charge. Nude boy in the neighborhood. Dude boy. Dude boy. I don't know, man. I love this song. I'm glad it's get it's gotten its its day in the sun. And uh yeah, man, it's always gonna be uh I bet you in fifty years this will be the number one Beatles song. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it'll be this or rain. It'll be something cool. <laughs> yeah. Like cool, underrated. This or I'm happy just to dance with you as well. That's a great here's the thing with the Beatles. Every song we're naming is a top ten song. <laughs> Look, if P3Z Nuts and his robot brethren have their way, in 50 years, these chiptune Nintendo-sounding versions will be the only Beatles songs left. Do not let that happen. Support your favorite human-made art, like the Yellow Submarine, and like this podcast. Please like and subscribe, score some merch at UntitledBeatlesPodcast.com, and be sure to tune in next week for the thrilling conclusion of our Yellow Submarine Deep Dish. On behalf of Tony, TJ, and not P3Z Nuts. Oh, eat rocks, Neanderthal. Jeez, the hostility, come on. I'm producer Casey, good night. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>